Welcome to M&A Perspectives, a podcast by Eaton Square. Tune in as we share insights on mergers and acquisitions and capital raising from industry leaders and our international team. Hi, everyone. My name is Reese Adams, and I'm the founder and CEO of Eaton Square. Today, I'm joined by Stefan Schaefer, who leads our debt business out of New York in the States. And we thought it'd be helpful to give you a quick update on how we see the market. Um, so, Stefan, how would you describe the current market in the US at the moment? Uh, thanks, Reese. I'm, I'm glad to join this evening. Uh, I think the market's about as good as it's been in a long time. Uh, you know, the Q4 in the private market in the US uh, was a very, very difficult time. It wasn't because of liquidity constraints and it necessarily wasn't uh, because of COVID exclusively. But there was so much work that COVID deferred, uh, deals that should have been done in the first quarter got pushed to the second quarter, deals in the second and third quarter got pushed to the fourth quarter. So it was a really a mad race to close deals in the fourth quarter. So uh, human uh, resources time was at, you know, at a real premium. Uh, but liquidity conditions underlying that were very, very strong. So we go into the new year uh, with all of those liquidity conditions, which were beneficial. Uh, but with people with a lot more time uh, and willing to dedicate uh, to the market. So it's a very good time. Uh, specifically, uh, SPP has lowered its um, pricing pretty much across the board going into the new year and expanded our leverage tolerances, uh, representing the fact that we think it's a, it's a much more forgiving market for issuers right now. Oh, cool. So what, how would you describe the, the demographics of the lending community then? So who specifically is doing what in the market? Yeah. I think what we're seeing is a continuation of the trend that started, you know, a number of years ago and continues to grow. And that really is replace, replacing commercial banks as a primary source of liquidity in the market to the direct lending and private debt funds. You know, private debt funds have grown from, you know, 300 uh, billion in 2010 to 845 billion in, uh, in 2020. We expect them to go to about 1.4 trillion uh, by 2025. I mean, so much capital has been raised in the private debt asset class that all that money is in the market and competing with banks and creating um, a little bit of disintermediation of the traditional banking relationship. And when you disintermediate that banking uh, component of the market, you also disintermediate a part of the subordinated debt market, because very often when you achieve a highly leveraged deal four times, five times, a bank will be part of that and then you'll have a sub debt provider being the other component of it and with the non-bank lenders very often it's more of a unitrage product where one lender is providing the senior and the sub all in one instrument uh, through a unitrage uh, getting leverage up to five times with a single lender so does that mean your deal structuring is getting i won't say complicated but more sophisticated for customers I don't think it's more sophisticated. I think it's really more efficient. Um, I think what's happening is that bank pricing and the commercial bank market is still there. It's not going anywhere. It's still the lowest cost of capital. You know, asset-based lending ranges from LIBOR 1 to LIBOR 3. Uh, cash flow pricing uh, in the bank market is LIBOR 3 to sort of LIBOR 4.5. So it's still very competitive pricing. The non-bank market, direct lending market, uh, really, pricing starts at about LIBOR 5, and it goes up to about LIBOR 9. So you're paying a premium to go into a direct lender, but, you know, in exchange for that higher pricing, you know, you're getting looser covenant packages as a general proposition, uh, where banks are going to be 
pretty difficult for them to get above three times leverage on the senior side. A non-bank lender will go up to five times. Now, again, it would depend on the credit and uh, you know and the nature of the transaction itself, but uh, and pricing will impact that as well, of course. But you know, we're talking about leverage with a single lender uh, as opposed to a bank, which is cut off at three. Someone going five, five and a half times. Uh, banks are going to require um, amortization structures, which are at most aggressive, maybe four and a half percent, but usually closer to seven to ten percent, and as high as fifteen percent per annum. A non-bank direct lender leverage uh, amortization begins at sort of one percent and goes to maybe five percent. So it's a you know it's a much easier debt service uh, component to do it, and that and then there's also just an ease of execution component. You know, with one lender providing four times turns of capital as opposed to a bank combined with a subordinated debt lender, you don't have any intercreditor agreements. You have one, you know, one straight agreement, and it's a little bit quicker. Uh, and of course, the non-bank community doesn't have the Fed, the FDIC, and the OCC, uh, you know, providing guidelines on leverage and amortization and all the other things that go into a commercial bank deal. So banks are still a great source of capital, and they're not going anywhere. They're being forced to be a little bit more competitive just because of the the amount of capital that's come into the direct lending community on a private basis. Yep. Okay. No, that's good. Um, and lastly, we have a new president and new administration putting um, your your uh, fortune teller hat on. How can you see their new policies and the next round of stimulus impacting lending over the next twelve months? Well, I think it's all good news. I, I think everybody's looking at a couple, couple things are combining at the same time. I mean, the most important thing is the Biden administration uh, has, uh, you know, um, noted that it's looking for a $1.9 trillion, you know, stimulus package. And that's going to go a long way and for companies that have also been negatively impacted by, by COVID. Um, there's going to be a new round of PPP, the payroll protection program. Um, so there's a lot more, um, I think, just spending that's going to help the market in general. Uh, we're going to get a GDP for Q4 of 2020. The Atlanta Fed is projecting 7.4%. We haven't seen 7% type growth rates in a long, long time in this country. Uh, even if that's optimistic, even if it's something closer to four and a half or five and a half percent, that's still robust growth. And robust growth in, G in GDP tends to translate into robust growth in EBITDA. And accordingly, it's going to be uh, with when higher growth in EBITDA, that means more people may you know, think about the M&A market and selling their businesses. Uh, and I think the other thing that's happened is that if you look at what we've gone through through the pandemic, whereas in 2008, 2009, when we had the recession, you know, it was so profound that uh, the amount of there were a lot of covenant breaches like there were last, you know, like they were this time around. But those bankrupt, those um, covenant breaches, often resulted in bankruptcies. Today, because of the leniency that you know that the banks showed at the beginning of the of the COVID crisis, because of the Main Street lending program, the PPP, this more forgiving atmosphere in the country, even though we've had a fair amount of breaches and covenant defaults, you know, through the COVID period, going into the new year, we're not seeing those translate into bankruptcies. Actually, bankruptcies are less than 25% of what they were during the Great Recession during that same period. So uh, I think everybody's very, very optimistic. And that optimism is right now translating into better leverage uh, because people will give you a little bit more leverage if they think EBITDA is going to go up. Obviously, if they're thinking about EBITDA uh, reductions and contractions, 
you know, they're going to be a little bit more concerned about providing extra leverage. And by the same token, because there's so much capital, there's a lot of competition and that competition is going to result in some pricing compression. So all in all, it's a very, very good time. Yep. Excellent. Well, thanks for your time today, Stefan. And um, it looks like it's going to be a nice, busy year. Thanks again. Well, we're looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Eaton Square M&A Perspectives. For complete show notes, visit www.eatonsq.com slash podcast. We release a new podcast regularly, so make sure to subscribe. Connect with us on linkedin.com slash company slash Eaton square and Twitter at Eaton square 08. Until next time.